Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio. So I remember when we first met and we went on our first, I would say, coffee date. I remember even asking him, like, how many Black people are in the town where you live? I just think this is a little odd that you like me or are interested or I don't know what... There was zero, by the way. Roxy and Joshua come from completely different backgrounds. Actually, I should call them Reverend Roxy and Reverend Joshua, but we'll get to that in a little bit. He is a white guy from Colorado and she's a Black woman from Brooklyn. They met while they were both chaplains in the military. They fell in love fast and hard, despite all of their differences. I was from New York City, and my family is like a Caribbean family. Like, uh, we're we're all like the first generation to be in the United States. And Joshua was from what I would call a more apple pie American family. (laughs) All of it was a learning process and it was expedited because of the situation. You know, here I was married to this woman that that I barely knew, moved from uh, a town with a population of 10,000 to Brooklyn, New York, where I went from being, you know, the majority to the minority, moved to a predominantly Caribbean neighborhood. All my typical support system was removed. I was having to learn how to be who I am in this environment, learn to grow and adapt, learn to be a husband and a a son-in-law and all of these different types of things. At the same time, restructuring my worldview in a multitude of different ways because I was raised with an environment to where race or racial issues weren't really something I was ever confronted with because it was never really in my face. Now, being in an interracial couple in America has never been easy. But right now, as our country deals with a much overdue racial reckoning, there's often even more of a learning curve involved. I'm sure that there were times at the beginning of our marriage where I may have said things or my worldview was hurtful for her to love me through that and to forgive me for that, to show grace and forgiveness in that was huge. I had times where it it was fun to be able to share culture and to share, you know, world history when it pertained to Black people. But then it got to really frustrating parts where he would be really stuck on his ideologies and understanding uh, or worldview where I was just like, you know what, go read a book. Like, you know, I just get fed up with it and be like, it's not my job. It's not my job to help you. 
The best journey is you saying, I need to understand this, not waiting for me, the one black friend or the, the black wife or what have you to give you access and insight into this. I personally need to see part of that initiative come from you to feel loved. And so that's where I found myself a lot of times as well. All of it was a learning process. I'm Joe Piazza, and this is Committed. Today, Reverend Roxy is something of a marriage and wedding celebrity. I actually discovered Roxy and Joshua by reading a story about them in the New York Times that was written by my friend Alex Strauss. It was all about how Roxy has become this celebrity wedding officiant and premarital counselor. Her and Joshua do the premarital counseling together. Roxy has performed ceremonies on shows like Love is Blind and Married at First Sight, usually wearing some fantastic designer gown that should really be on a red carpet. Guys, she looks so freaking good. So good. But that's now. Before all of this fancy stuff, Roxy and Joshua met during Army basic training. They were both chaplains. I was the loud guy who had served previously, so I kind of knew a little bit about what was coming. And so at first, I think I annoyed her a little bit because I was the guy who He did annoy me. Yeah, see? He had the same rank as I did, yet he was yelling at everybody. Because people weren't following the rules. But anyway, we just got to know each other through being in the same squad together and just got to talking. And uh, I realized quickly that she was always disheveled, coming with her uniform all out of whack and all kinds of stuff. Disheveled is a fascinating adjective for Roxy because when I first stalked her Instagram, which I do before I interview people, I do my research, I thought that she was one of the most put together people that I have ever seen in my entire life. I'm going to let Joshua go on here just to see where he's going. I didn't feel like doing push-ups and stuff, extra push-ups and stuff. So I was like, let me help you out. And I'd fix her uniform and help her get in, in order and things of that nature. And through that, flirted and she couldn't resist. And three weeks I later, <laughs> we were married <laughs> on, in our uniform on a lunch break. Yes, on our lunch break. Oh, yes. yes. We were wearing uniforms. So I don't think we even kissed when we got married because you're really not supposed to show affection in uniform. So we just got our paperwork signed and went back to... At a Kinko's. Yeah, at a Kinko's and went back. Yeah, like you can't really be like hugging up on your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever in uniform. You're just, it's just not proper. Yeah, military bear. But both Roxy and Joshua are a particular breed of military person chaplains. And I wanted to back them both up to find out a little bit more about how they were both called to that. I felt called to ministry around the age of, what, 23, 24. And for me, the biggest impression, I think, on my life where I wanted to help people was that I was a senior in high school during a 9-11. So I remember how 9-11 made me feel. And, I, and I, not only was I a senior in high school, I was a senior in high school in Manhattan when it happened. 
So I just literally went to Google and started looking up the word chaplain because that that's the only thing that kind of like rang in my mind. And then right there in Google came up like chaplaincy program in the army. And I was like, okay, well, I could go to seminary school and simultaneously serve as a chaplain candidate. And then when I graduated from seminary school in exchange with the government, because the government doesn't pay for anyone to study religion unless you want to be a chaplain in his army. That was the role that I took and it's been a part of my life ever since. So that's my story as to how I ended up becoming a chaplain in the in the army. For me, my story was a little different. I knew going into the military was a must. It's a family tradition and it's an expectation for males in my family. Though the expectation is unsaid directly, it is very much alluded to. So I knew that it was I was going to do it one way or another. And for me, it was a personal connection. My grandfather growing up, he was a big hunter and a big fisher. And uh, anytime we'd go on trips and whatnot, and he would always read his Bible at night, but he struggled to read because he only had a second grade education. So he would always ask me to read the Bible for him. And so I'd read sections of the Bible to him. And then he would always pray. And I always remember him praying for forgiveness for the lives that he took in combat. I could feel and see in his eyes the weight that that carried. And he carried a great sense of guilt and probably even shame that was associated with that. He served in World War II, Korea and Vietnam. And so he saw a lot of death and destruction and the worst of what mankind can do to one another. When I wanted to become a chaplain, that my goal was to help as many people through that experience and to help them find relief from that shame and guilt through being a chaplain so that fewer people would have to experience that lifelong tragedy of carrying that weight with them. Both Roxy and Joshua felt a real calling to God and to service. But what I was equally curious about was this calling toward one another. They got together so fast, but a lot of the couples that we've interviewed on Committed have gotten together so fast. That old adage, when you know you know, is sometimes true. So I wanted to know how they knew, how they knew. How did they know that this would be the right fit? especially when the two of them came from completely different worlds. I think that people really desire for me to be able to spit out the three steps to snagging your husband in three weeks. And I will never give that because I feel like it's very damaging to even try to calculate such a thing. But I think it was a combination of two things for me. One, I had spent three years of my life not really dating anybody purposefully. I really traveled, you know, to West Africa, I had traveled to Israel, and it wasn't like an eat, pray, love moment. It was more just like, I wanna get to know me, the things that make me tick, that the things that make me happy in life, and truly commit to those things before I even commit to another human being. She was waiting for the perfect man, and then boom, he no, appeared. No, <laughs> And so when Josh came along, I had formulated the questions that were important to me to ask. And what I had learned really quickly about him, it was not, you know, I had prayed to meet someone who was very vulnerable and open and all the things that generally men are not. Um, and I, then I met Josh and I was like, who are you? You're so weird. And I don't even know if I should have asked God for this because it's just odd. He was like overly honest, overshared. And I'd be like, do you like me or not? Because you're sharing too much. He shared the good, the bad, the ugly, the whatever. And I really appreciated, although sometimes weird, I appreciated that about him 
because I would ask him very odd things. Like it wouldn't be just like, what's your favorite movie or anything like that? It'd be more like, well, how much student loan debt do you have? And I think for me, I had been in a relation, a long-term relationship prior to meeting her. I'd only seriously dated two women in my life. One I was with for four years and the other one I was with on and off for, for eight. The long-term dating thing was not working in my favor, um, nor was the type of women that I typically dated who would portray a certain image, but later on down the road weren't necessarily living up to what they had projected. And with Roxy, she was who she said she was. She was authentic. You never have to wonder where you stand with her. She's always very clear with her expectations, very clear with what she wants and how she feels and where she's at. And it was a, a stark difference from what I was used to. So I went for the exact opposite and went on faith and prayed that it would work out. And so far, it's been more than I could have expected. These two army chaplains got married in 2012. But like we've said so many times on this show, the wedding was just the start of figuring out how to be together. The first three years were a huge learning process. Mm. I mean, essentially, it's very similar to what you would see on a TV show like Married at First Sight. We're learning to be friends, we're learning to date, and we're learning to be married all in one situation. And you don't really have, even if you have married friends or you have, you know, older couples around you who have been married for years, at the end of the day, no one really has the exact same situation as you. You know what I'm saying? And on top of that, I think we had the layer of just being from different cultures and different races. We mentioned this earlier, but Roxy's from New York, her family is from the Caribbean, and they're the first generation to be here in the United States. And Joshua was for, from a, what I would call a more apple pie American family <laughs> in the sense that they've been here for generations and he's from Colorado and he's also from a small town in Colorado, Estes Park. And so I remember when we first met and we went on our first, I would say, coffee date. I remember even asking him, like, how many black people are in the town where you live? I just think this is a little odd that <laughs> you like me or are interested or I don't know. what. There was zero, by the way. And I remember the first time I even went to his town, his mom was like, let's go to the rodeo parade. And I was like, what? This is the actual She didn't know that being a cowboy was an actual profession. Yeah, I just thought it was a Halloween costume. Like, I didn't think that, like, there were people who were actually identifying as this thing. Like, that they wrangled cattle and, you know, they rode horses and they... She didn't think that that really was... A job. Yes. So I had a lot of learning to do. He had a lot of learning to do. And we're still learning eight years later. So that, I think, for me, when I think of the first three years of our marriage, I'm pretty sure there were a lot of things in between there. Like Joshua left his hometown, came to New York City, didn't have a job. Like there are a lot of complexities to the beginning of our marriage. But for me, what stuck out the most was just us coming together as an actual family before even really actually knowing each other. All of it was a learning process and it was expedited because of the situation. You know, here I was married to this woman that I that I barely knew, moved from uh, a town with a population of 10,000 to Brooklyn, New York, where I went from being, you know, the majority to the minority, moved to a predominantly Caribbean neighborhood. And so I kind of went into this environment where I knew very little and I had no real, all my typical support system was removed. And I was having to learn how to be who I am in this environment, learn to grow and adapt, learn to be a husband and 
a, a son-in-law and all of these different types of things. At the same time, restructuring my worldview in a multitude of different ways because I was raised with, you know, in an environment to where race or racial issues weren't really something I was ever confronted with because it was never really in my face. The only thing I really had to deal with when we studied history and things of that nature. Those first three years were just learning her culture. And, you know, one of the things I always point to is always when we first got married, I always thought she was yelling. <laughs> always thought she was yelling. And then, you know, as time went on, I just realized she's loud. You know, she's just a loud person. Her family is loud. Um, it's just what it is. Throughout time, I learned what yelling actually sounded like. And I realized that there's a vast difference between the two. Just learning to, to be best friends. It's very, uh, it was a learning process for sure. But through their learning process, they discovered something. They really liked it. They liked the learning. They liked the process of figuring out what makes a marriage work. And together, they figured out a way to turn that into a whole new kind of career. More on that after a quick break. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Roxy never set out to be a celebrity reverend, much less do premarital counseling. She thought she had way too much baggage, way too much trauma around marriage in her own past. What the biggest pain of my life was my parents separating when I was seven. Like, it's the biggest pain of my life. I can go through life with a lot more courage because for me, that was the biggest pain of my life. And so that was like a death for me. And when I went to seminary school, I remember the first day of school being like, I don't care what we have to learn here. I'm not dealing with people's relationships. And I think I said that out of a place of still being hurt, the seven-year-old self in me. And here I am today doing the exact opposite of what I said that first year in seminary school. I am working with couples and I am working specifically in the realm of marriage. And I think the reality is God took a pain and he flipped it, right? He took a pain of mine and he turned it into a passion. Roxy had been working as a chaplain in the military, in hospitals and in hospice, which is such an incredibly hard job. She was a natural at counseling people. And then one day in 2016, she officiated her sister's wedding. And from there, a lot of people started asking me. And then I realized people would hire people to marry them. And I was like, oh, this is a thing. And then I realized I had more to offer people than just 
marrying them. Like marrying someone didn't feel, I guess, deep enough. And I felt very privileged to be able to have the education, the clinical and even the military background and experience in helping people in actual relationships, whether it was mother-daughter relationships, relationships and getting married. And so I was able to add to the service the ability to do the premarital and marital counseling. Then I realized a trend when I would meet with clients that oftentimes, like in situations, you know, where there's a bride and a groom, the bride would be super excited about premarital counseling and the groom would be super hesitant. Like, uh, are you going to try to tell me how to be? What is this about? How much am I going to have to share? So for me, it was just sort of a no brainer to be like, well, Josh has the same education and background as I do. How great would it be or more comfortable would it be for the couple if we included ourselves, like that we didn't keep it to surface level, that we went even deeper and shared our journey appropriately to normalize a lot of the things that the couple was going through. So I brought Josh in. I actually made him the director of counseling because the wedding portion of it became so overwhelming for me. And I've realized that we've enriched our process simply by making it something that both Josh and I did together. That was my journey with it and and why I I think it's best when it's him and I together. For me, I think a big part of it was just marriage is hard. It's not an easy process. Even with all the support, even with all the education, even with all the tools, marriage is difficult. And sometimes you can feel lost and sometimes you can feel alone. And sometimes you can feel like you're just not getting it right. And I've always been a type of person who likes to help others, who likes to take my experiences in life and use that as learning tools and opportunities for other people so they don't have to walk my path, if you will. And so this was just an opportunity for me to walk alongside other couples with Roxy by my side and to use our trials and tribulations, our victories as learning opportunities and as examples for couples so that they could realize, hey, you, me too. Like in realizing that a lot of the struggles that married couples go through are very similar. I love that because I, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I wrote the book, How to Be Married, because I was getting married and I was 34 years old and i lived alone my whole life. And I'm like, how the hell do you, how do you do this? How do you do that? That's a good idea. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. I think everyone just assumes that I'm the only one going through this. I'm the only one who's ever experienced this. I, something must be wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And it's really just helping them to see, no, no, like that is part of the process. If you're not feeding into your marriage appropriately, if you're not spending enough time together, if you're not having the difficult conversations, if you're not really creating a deep level of intimacy and vulnerability, then you are going to end up in this place where you feel distant, disconnected, and feel like you're alone in the process because of life. We inadvertently build a bubble and walls around us and then look around and say, why in the heck am I alone? And then we realize if we would have just, you know, develop some lifelines and reconnect with our partner and just really allow ourselves to experience that journey the way it was intended, it can change the game. And without giving away your secret sauce, how do you do it? How do you guys set someone up for success? So the first thing we're going to take a look at for a couple is their mindset towards marriage. Everyone comes with a natural mindset, whether you realize it or not. You, even if you're single and not married or even dating or in a relationship, you have a mindset about marriage that 
has come from a combination of your personality and the way you were probably raised. And so we start from there and we work backwards. So that's how we define success along with the couple and how we set goals. So it's going to be very different per couple. The theory that we actually use is what's called a short-term solution-focused counseling. So it's actually a counseling theory that exactly like like Roxy said, it allows the couple to draw the picture. It allows them to state what they want their end goal to be and we get there. Yeah, and I think that one of the biggest things I've learned from being married is learning like I don't have the thing inside of me any longer that's embarrassed about and almost anything. It's the weirdest thing. Was that marriage or birth? Did no, that? no, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm not embarrassed because I'm like not even afraid to be wrong or say the wrong things. And sometimes even when people are like, you're the marriage expert or the relationship expert, I get like kind of nervous because I'm like, I might actually say something wildly crazy in this interview that may not sound like the right answer. I'm like, and, what is what? And I'm like, I can't believe I said that. I sound me like either. an idiot. <laughs> like, you know, but I said them in confidence and I, and I said them because I really believed at the time that I was right. And I feel like that is a part of vulnerability Mm. is putting yourself out there and and saying your inner thoughts, even if you think you're going to come off like a jerk or sound crazy and then learning from them and going from there. I think sometimes people come to us even in the counseling realm and they want to learn how to do every single thing perfectly right. And it's like, no, just let loose. Like you might come off wrong, you might end up spiraling into some really serious Mm -hmm. arguments, but you'll come out better on the other side, I think. Well, yeah. And that's why I always tell couples that it's not about being perfect. It's about exhibiting three main qualities, grace, forgiveness, and patience. If you can do those three things throughout your marriage, then that, that can carry you through. Because that's really, like she said, that's what it's about. It's about realizing throughout the process, being patient with each other, being patient with yourself, and just realizing that there is a lot of growth that takes place in those first few years of marriage. Especially for us, you know, yeah, we were in our late 20s, but we were still, like I always look back and say, we were babies trying to figure this thing out. And, you know, we had to have patience with each other. We had to forgive each other for things that we said or things that we didn't do or missteps that we had. All of that just takes a lot of grace for one another and realizing that sometimes you just have to forgive, not because you know you want to, not because even necessarily you think they've earned the right to forgiveness, but just realizing that that's just part of having grace with one another and realizing that at some point you're going to need it too. For me, what comes to mind, especially when it comes to grace is, you know, I think when we first got married and this is something I'm really thankful for her and really appreciate her grace and her patience and her forgiveness was I came from a worldview that I like to say is a passively racist worldview where I wasn't intentionally racist in my thought process. I wasn't malicious in it. I wasn't trying to hold anybody back, didn't uh, think anybody was less than, but just throughout how, you know, I was, I want to say raised through culture that I didn't realize that some of the things I said or some of the ways that I viewed things were racist inherently. It took a lot of patience for her and a lot of grace for her to help me to grow and to see things differently and to go from being someone who necessarily didn't always see things from her perspective now to being adamantly outspoken in the fight against racism and really considering myself to be someone who is 
constantly pushing toward civil rights aims and goals now, which was very much different. And I'm sure that there were times at the beginning of our marriage where I may have said things or my worldview was hurtful. And, you know, for her to love me through that and to forgive me for that and to show grace and and forgiveness in that was huge. Roxy and Joshua have done so much work for their marriage. In fact, the most successful couples that I've interviewed for this show out of the more than 100 couples that we've interviewed for this show put in the work. And they call it work because marriage is work. They put in the time. They have the conversations. They do the hard things. But coming into an interracial marriage meant that Roxy and Joshua had to do some extra work. More on that after a quick break. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter, Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Roxy, what was it like for you to, you know, kind of walk him through this education from coming from this culture that was, you know, from passively racist to racist? And was it ever exhausting for you to try to help him do this work? Or was it interesting and enlightening and fun for you? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, it's a roller coaster of all of those things that you just said. I mean, I went to Penn State. I got two degrees at two undergrad degrees at Penn State. I got one in theater performance and the other in African and African-American studies. So I used to always tell him my quote was, I'm not known. I'm not a normal black person that you might have met along the way in your life. I actually grew up liking and enjoying being black. Like, and you need to understand that there is a difference. I am not trying to fit in to your family. I am not trying to like, you know, my my last name will be Birchfield. I'll give you that. But I'm not trying to actually become one and transform. I'm me. Like, that was so important when I approached him. And I'm, I'm not sure how he took that, but that's how I started off. And she so, took my last name. I was good. That was important to him. But for me, it's a roller coaster of things. I, you know, I had times where it, you, it was fun to be able to share culture and to share, you know, world history when it pertained to Black people. But then it got to really frustrating parts where he would be really stuck on his ideologies and understanding uh, or worldview where I was just like, you know what, go read a book. Like, you know, I just get fed up with it and be like, it's not my job. It's not my job to help you. You go through these ups and downs where you're passionate in helping and sharing. And then you go through these moments. And, and it's not just with Josh, it's with any friends that I have that are having the same struggles. It's like, it's not my job. Like we have all types of access in America. We have Google, we have books, we have TV. If you want to learn something in America, you can. 
So I need you to take the initiative to do what you need to do on your own. That's the best journey. The best journey is you saying, I need to understand this, not waiting for me, the one black friend or the the black wife or what have you to give you access and insight into this. We are Americans. We have the greatest access on earth. If you want to learn something, you can. And I, I personally need to see part of that initiative come from you to feel loved. And so that's where I found myself um, a lot of times as well. It's creating space for vulnerability, right? Creating an environment that allows for open and honest dialogue to where a person feels safe enough to express how they truly feel. I think a lot of people go into marriage and relationships with, I am who I am, you're not going to change me, as if somehow that is a sign of strength and if that is a sign of being self-aware and confident in who you are. But for me, if you're going to be invested in any level of true intimacy with another human being, there is going to be a certain level of impact and there is going to be a certain level of, of change and growth and development that happens as a result of that level of intimacy. all of this counseling and advising to couples, has it made you guys kind of turn the looking glass on yourselves and your own marriage? Do you ever come out of it and say to each other, oh, wow, this thing came up today. Maybe we should look at, at this for us. Yes. Always. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> all the time. In our argu- Even in our arguments, like if some, we have a disagreement about something, like, remember that time that you said this to that person? Where's that behavior <laughs> demonstrated here? You You're know? not modeling. You're, You're not, not modeling. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the great thing about doing counseling together, and this is what we get out of it, is that we can, we, it, it adds another layer of accountability, I think, for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we definitely get something out of it. It doesn't make us perfect, but it definitely holds us accountable to the things that we are preaching and teaching. Josh says I'm nice to everyone but him. <laughs> That's true. It's true. It's like you will have the most amount of grace and the most amount of patience with anybody else that comes to me. It's like you better have it right and better have it right now. Biggest advice I have for people and couples in general is embrace things like therapy as like a lifestyle. So it doesn't mean that you need to be always in it, but it means that when you are going through life altering situations that you should embrace that this might be a good time for it. We have to remember we are people, we have a history, And sometimes we're working through things in our relationships, but sometimes we're working through things as individuals too. And to not neglect and to forget that just because we are married. If we allow ourselves to be authentic in our relationships and we allow ourselves to be open to growth and development, our marriage is going to have much much greater of an opportunity to go the distance than if we are holding back or not allowing our true selves to be seen or not open to allowing ourselves to to grow as we grow in the relationship.
This episode of Committed was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza. A special thanks to the Reverends Roxy and Joshua Birchfield. Supervising producer is Ramsey Young. The executive producers are Joe Piazza and Tyler Klang. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com. That's J-O at committedpodcast.com. You can grab a copy of Joe's book, How to Be Married, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.